Hi, you're listening to the VDF podcast brought to you by Dance and Form and Energetics. I'm Lara Bianca Pilcher, your host, and I'm getting to chat to Will Centurion. Um, he's going to talk to us about today about teenagers in particular. So if you're a young person listening or you have a young person maybe, um, or you're a teacher of young people, this might help for you to encourage them through their time of isolation. Obviously, there's a lot of disruption in dance training, education, anxiety, but we'll talk about that in a minute. First of all, hello, Will. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Hello, Lara. Thank you so much for having me. I'm, first of all, I want to just introduce Will for those of you who are listening who don't know him. And first of all, uh, Will was a dancer, singer, actor in the music theatre industry for a really long time. He's got some incredible credits and national tours like A Chorus Line, West Side Story, The King and I, The Lion King, Aladdin and In the Heights. Now you've, you've um, moved into a whole different areas of helping performers to, you know, creative minds really to navigate the many challenges and there is many in the creative arts industry. And you mm-hmm. help with things like performance anxiety, self-confidence mm-hmm. issues, negative self-talk, goal setting, career transitioning, mm-hmm. which you've done. Oh, my goodness. I don't know mm-hmm. that I've heard much about that, but that's such a good thing that you help people with. Mm. But today in particular, let's chat teenagers and dealing with the yep. isolation. Because teenagers, I mean, I love them. I teach them and I absolutely adore teenagers. And they've got their own challenges because they're not quite an independent mm. adult those listening you know that and you're you're no longer a kid and you're struggling with changes in your body changes in your friendship social pressure it's huge so Mm -hmm. let's just start Mm -hmm. with hello teenagers if you're listening and what's your sort of tip for them dealing with isolation when so much of their value of it of all of us really um, is about our friendship circle how do you deal with being isolated as a teenager yeah this is a really really tricky and unique time for teenagers, for full-timers, for students. Um, you know, uh, I think I'm sick of hearing the word unprecedented, mm. but, um, yeah. but absolutely, like nobody saw this coming. Um, this is a massive interruption to, to um, creative journeys. Um, and so there's bound to be um, impacts on people's emotional and psychological health. Yeah. Um, one of the biggest things that's going on at the moment is disconnection and how you manage disconnection. So there's a lot of disconnection, disconnection to hope, disconnection to purpose, disconnection to structure, disconnection to creativity, disconnection Mm. to routine, um, you know, disconnection to confidence, um, to a meaningful future. And so the bigger the disconnection or the more the disconnection is felt, the more likely that issues kind of creep in in those gaps and live Mm. in those gaps. And so that's where a lot of sort of anxiety and stress and depression um, develops because, you know, you feel as though you're separated from something that's really, really important to you or something that you really need in order to be okay. Um, And so my heart goes out to all the creative youth at the moment because they're feeling really disconnected to a lot of things um, and that can't be easy. That's Mm got to carry a lot of pain. Um, and so the first thing I do is I acknowledge that, um, you know, I, I think, I think we're kidding ourselves that we can say, if we say to these young creative people, you know what, like chin up, you know, mm-hmm. just let's get back in the game and it's all going to be okay. And yeah. you're not allowing them to feel their fields. Mm-hmm. Um, and they've got to be able to go through that. They've got to be able to make sense of what their experience is before 
they can feel optimistic. That's so um, good you say so, that. Yeah, because yeah. I feel like it's changed a lot and um, what might be one of the challenges for them is that parents of generations past, I know their way of parenting is very different to the way we parent now. Mm-hmm. So quite mm-hmm. often, for example, in the past it was chin up, you know, push your feelings away, get on with it, life's hard and, you know, all valid responses. But there's definitely more importance uh, given to being able to feel what we feel these days, isn't there? Yeah. Um, and yeah. a lot of them wouldn't know that their parents might be or their guardians or people around them might be coming from a different generation of how you deal with emotions and feelings. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you said give importance to feeling what you feel. Why is that important? Because I think once you, you understand what your experience is, when you sh- once you shine a torch on something, then you can manage it. You can't yeah. control it. You can't control emotions. You can't control thoughts. You can't control feelings. Yeah. But you can manage them. And so once you know what you're working with, if you can identify, if you can label what your experience is, sadness, despair, rejection, um, you know, uh, fear, um, if you can label what that is for you, then it gives you an opportunity to step back and mm-hmm. integrate some strategies that allow you to process that emotion and manage that emotion and give it some meaning and give it some purpose. Yeah. Um, but if, if you're trying to navigate this, this new world without addressing what you're going through, it's, yeah. it's, it's really overwhelming. So true, isn't it? And it can be hard. I mean, some people naturally, I know I taught myself to understand what I'm feeling and to give myself Mm -hmm. a moment sometimes to breathe and to say, you know, talk to myself and say, what are you feeling? Um, How, what are the sort of easy tools to understand what we're feeling if we're a bit kind of not that person that easily works it out? How do we know what it is so that we can deal with it? Okay. So a, a bit of a template that we can kind of look at and this is i talk to parents a lot about this yeah that um if you're if you're if you're seeing that your child is disconnected if you're seeing that they're on the couch they're procrastinating Mm. they're lazy or that's how you would identify them as being um they're disengaged like what this person is going through is grief Mm. they are grieving the fact that their entire life has changed that their routine is gone, their structure is gone, everything they were sure about has now disappeared. Oh, yeah, it makes me feel, it's really sad when you put it that way. It's true though. (laughs) Yeah. And so I'm Mm. kind of like, you know, like everybody has a different experience of grief. And so some people are going to sit with despair or they're going to sit with sadness or they're going to sit with anger or they're going to sit with frustration or they're going to sit with rejection. Like start, Start looking at your child mm. as someone who is going through a period of grief. Yeah. First. Mm. Um, and they're trying to understand that grief and they're trying to understand why they don't have the same level of motivation that they used to or why, you know, it's, it's too hard to, to turn up to an online class. They're yeah. trying to understand that. So give them some time to go through their process of grief. Yeah. Um, and so for the student, um, I say to you, you may be going through one of the stages of grief and that's okay. You are allowed to because everything that, you, everything that made you feel safe and everything that made you feel secure has been taken away. Mm. So be kind to yourself and allow yourself to surf these emotions before 
you find yourself in a place where you can pick yourself back up and reconnect to your creative journey. Yeah, it's so good, Will. And it's, I think it's so important too that they have the permission and are given, both given themselves, um, you know, if you're a, an adult listening, giving your teenager or your students even um, permission. But mm-hmm. it's, you know, quite often we don't give our own selves permission to not be packy and all together there and if we're particularly like that. And I think what's very difficult right now for teenagers, obviously, is that if you go online right now, it is like, okay, mm-hmm. forgive me for using this word, but it will get it a possible. It's like product activity porn on there it's like everybody is achieving so much and I mean I've even felt like this and I'm a fully grown adult so it's like I'm going oh my gosh everybody's making and creating look at all these people doing this and especially in the arts industry what Mm -hmm. if you just what if you just can't what if you if you're Mm. not uh, you know speak to us about online and how to be healthy with what we're seeing versus our reality Mm-hmm. So I think my uh, I should send these into t-shirts because every time I hold a workshop, <laughs> people people are like, "Oh my god, that's that's the, the takeaway. That's the takeaway." Mm. Okay, so I, I I would I would say to all of these creative kids and creative students and 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 all of these adolescents that are trying to navigate their creative journey, I would say to you, learn to stay in your own lane. Mm. Your lane is the most important one. And your lane requires your timeline, your process, your approach, your methods. And that doesn't compare to anybody else's. So the more that you can stay in your own lane, the more that you can flourish in your own lane, the less that you will be disrupted, the less that you will feel despair because there's no one to compare to but you. Yeah. And so if you're looking at all of these other stories on social media or even like, other people within the community that have got different approaches and different processes and that and you feel that they are achieving so much more than you, that's great for them. Good yeah. on them. You know, they're living their story. That's that's their narrative and they're allowed to do that. The, yeah. the person that you should be focusing on is you. Yeah. So how do you want to turn up? How do you want to honour yourself? What kind of values do you want to live by? And what's that going to look like for you? Because your story shouldn't resemble anybody else's. Yeah, it's um, so powerful. So when, yeah, we don't always know, yeah. like, as people. And it's funny because we ex- can expect teenagers to act like an adult, but quite often, like, adults struggle with what is it that I want to do right now? What is it that I want to put out mm-hmm. in the world? And, um, you know, we still struggle with everybody else around us is doing, you know, the Joe Blogs thing. Everybody else is doing it. Um, yeah. So I think it's so important to stay in our lane and focus on what we're doing. And, I mean, I think our greatest productivity really is to do that, isn't it? Put our energy on mm-hmm. our own journey and our own path. I love how you articulated it, though, is just stay in your lane. You, you do need shirts, Will. <laughs> you I, I, yeah. And it's, yeah. It's, I think it's something that... Um, it's something that I began to understand on my own creative journey because I didn't start dancing till I was 18. Wow. Um, And so I was always at the back of the class. I was always, you know, Mm -hmm. they were on four turns when I was still learning one. Um, You know, I'd never had great technique. Um, I actually couldn't compare myself to anybody else because I was so far behind that Mm -hmm. if I did, it would derail my entire journey. Mm. Um, and so I just had to focus on me because 
I had my own timeline. I had my own pace. I had my own skill set. Um, you know, and so I learned very quickly that it did me a disservice comparing myself to others. Yeah. Um, and so, and it's very easy to do and we all do it. And even as an adult now, I, I, mm. I do it sometimes, but I catch myself mm. and I put myself back in my own lane and I go, Will, just be aware of that because mm. that doesn't support you. That actually makes you feel inadequate. Yeah. So, so the more I focus on my own life, the more productive I get. Yeah, I think that's so important, isn't it? And, um, you know, a lot of us, all of us in teenagers, they've got changes in their school education for those who are doing it online. Some might be doing on-site learning. Um, but those who are doing online school right now and then having to do an online dance class, um, mm-hmm. it's going to be mixed feelings. Some people are going to love that and others are not mm-hmm. going to love that. But it does bring with it unique challenges and pressures and often teenagers don't feel the permission to say to their teacher or whoever, I'm feeling overwhelmed or I'm feeling like mm-hmm. I'm not coping or this is too much. What's your encouragement as to are they allowed to do that? And, and if so, how do they do that in a way that they don't feel like they're going to get told off or, you know, said you're not respecting me, your teacher or whatever? Um, how do they do that when they're a bit scared too? <laughs> um, I, I think it's, it's every demographic is different. Every culture is different. Yeah. Um, I'm going to be really honest here and say that as dancers, no, we're actually not conditioned to have a voice. Mm. We're conditioned to listen and do what we're told to do and, and to do that well. Um, we're not conditioned to communicate our experience of that given um, task or our experience of that given challenge. Mm. And so it's, it's, it's a, it requires a reprogramming that it's okay to say, you know what, I'm not happy with this or, or this doesn't work for me or, or I'm struggling right now or I need more help. Um, that's a complete reprogramming. Mm-hmm. Every different, every demographic is different. So some cultures, <clears throat> there's been a generational change and the members of that culture are allowed to be seen and are allowed to be heard. Mm-hmm. And some cultures are still not. Yeah. You know, it's, it's that very old school mentality where it's you turn up as the student you listen to the teacher, you do what the teacher asks of yeah, you. Yeah, sit up, shut up, um, listen, don't talk. Yeah. 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 And so, and so I, I, I would say you're allowed to have a voice. Mm. You're allowed to have an opinion and yeah. you can communicate that diplomatically. You can communicate that with grace. Mm. Um, you know, you don't have to lash out. You don't have to rebel. Um, yeah. You are allowed to say, you know what, I'm not okay right now or this doesn't work for me or, um, you know, can we adapt to this? Um, so mm. it, it's really important to, to position yourself where, where you matter and you can be seen and you can be heard, particularly mm. in the time like now. Yeah. Like your voice matters right now. You, you have full permission to communicate if you are being overwhelmed with um, information and if you are being overwhelmed with requirements. Yeah, I think that's so great, Will. And um, the way that they communicate that is important too, isn't it? Because obviously Mm -hmm. one way of communicating is you're making me feel like or you're giving me too much or it's better to use I language, isn't it? And to say, I'm Mm -hmm. feeling overwhelmed. Could you help with that by, isn't isn't it? Um, What's your advice on the style of communication um, that teenagers can use when speaking to somebody that maybe they're struggling to talk to? Yeah. 
Um, I just, I think respect is the most mm. important thing. Yeah. You know, um, um, just, and respect and the language that you use, if the language has a tone and if it's pointed and mm. it, if it's accusing somebody of something, then you're not going to get anywhere. Yeah. True. Um, I think it's really important just to have um, just a real um, easy to understand language that communicates what your current experience is. Um, when I go in and I, when I work with students about the kind of language that they use, um, we talk a lot about I'm having the thought that or I'm having the feeling that. I'm mm -hmm. having the thought that this is really challenging or I'm having the feeling that um, uh, this particular situation is hopeless. It's very, it's very different to saying I am. I'm hopeless or I'm frustrated or I'm angry or I'm, you know, like yeah. if you can separate yourself yeah. from your experience, that can be helpful because it positions you where you can respond rather than react because mm. reacting isn't going to get you anywhere. <laughs> yeah. Um, I love so, that you so chatted about, that, yeah, sorry, you finish that, that statement then I'll ask you. No, a question. Yeah. So, yeah. So I just, the more that you can, yeah. the more that you just got to be aware of the language that you use. You've got to mm. be clear about what it is that you're trying to communicate because if you're not clear, then how can a person that's receiving possibly how can they possibly understand what you're trying to say and how can mm -hmm. they do anything with that information? Yeah, it's so true. And I find you, you spoke about different cultures because um, not to stereotype or put people in boxes, but generally speaking, I've noticed that with um, my Asian students and I've even had um, Japanese students live in my house that is sort of over from Japan, they don't give anywhere near the weight. Um, it's not that they're not feeling, they are feeling, mm -hmm. you know, probably all the same mm -hmm. things, but they maybe have culturally learned not to let it control the behaviours as much or um, maybe they don't communicate because it's not their culture. Uh, so th those that, you know, have that different culture, is there a way for them to be healthy in this time of change and isolation and pressure, um, even if it's not culturally sort of done? <laughs> what, mm. what do they do? How do they, is it the same thing? Is it the same recipe or is it, you know, what do they do if they really can't talk about it? Well, I think there's, you know, there's always ways to self-manage. Yeah. I think we, mis we, we misunderestimate or we don't give enough value to coping theory. We, mm. we all have the capacity to cope. Mm. We all have the capacity to self-manage. And so there may not be somebody there to hear you out and or you culturally you may not be allowed to vocally communicate what you're going through, yeah. but there are still ways that you can get in tune with your feelings. There are still ways that you can shift those energies from inside you to outside you. Um, you know, like we all have the capacity to find strategies to self-manage. Mm. So if you're feeling really overwhelmed, take a break, go for a walk, change your environment, shift your experience to something that supports you. Mm. Um, you know, find people that you can communicate with within your culture that it's safe to be able to do that. Mm. Um, you know, uh, sing the story out, dance the story out, write the story out. Yeah. Like there, there are, there are lots of strategies that you can use to be able to self-manage the experience that you are going through. We mm. all have the capacity to do it. And if you don't know what those strategies are, then ask the question or, or do some research to discover what kind of strategy is going to work for you. Yeah. And on another point, um, 
dealing with anxiety and, and over the pandemic and over the panic and all of the things that are going on, um, there are some parents that are hugely nervous and every day that there's awful news that they're listening to and it's being played in the house and they're listening to it on the, on radios in the car. And if that's somebody's experience and they're just feeling completely like almost panicked and anxious to leave the house and to be around people, um, how is that going to affect all of our needs as a human? And how do we deal with that, that fear and that anxiety over the pandemic that we're in? Um, I, I sort of, there's a, there's a couple of ways to go here. So, I mean, kids are a reflection of, of our parents. Mm. Um, and so it's hard for us to not feel or pick up on some of that energy. If, if mum and dad aren't coping, mm. then it's very unlikely, it's unlikely that the child is coping. Um, and so we kind of, as parents, we need to be aware of what we're putting on our kids and what kind of energy we're transferring um, because that gets picked up and that gets imprinted and that gets, um, you know, you start hearing somebody else's voice as your own. Um, yeah. And so you just, I think it's really, really important to be aware um, of what it is that you're passing on to somebody else. Um, and so if you are a student or if you are a child and you're in a household that's very high strung, um, that where there's a lot of stress and there's a lot of anxiety, like you, it would be helpful to find moments where you can go away and repair. So if you need to make the decision to step outside of that household from time to time, take yourself for a walk, Mm. Lock yourself up in your room, listen to some music, you know, mm. find ways to just defuse, find ways to reconnect with yourself, find ways to, to repair and recalibrate. Um, it's your responsibility to be able to do that because we can't change how others are. Yeah. We can't control other people. We can't control other people, how other people interact with us. But what we can do is manage how we receive that information and how we process that information. Mm. Um, and so self-care is really, really important. Yeah, obviously we need to make sure we're sleeping well and eating well. Mm -hmm. And it's funny saying that because so many of us are baking way too much and the flour yeah. shortage. <laughs> so there's like the smell of cookies and cakes, which are all very, very lovely, home-cooked and a wonderful way to fill our time, but making sure that we're being healthy, isn't it, so that we can, um, mm. you know, be our best self and help have like you know, healthy blood sugar and all of that sort of thing, which is hard when you're around the house all yeah. day. Um, but it's particularly finding important. A, it's finding a yeah. balance. It's just, it's finding a balance. It's finding it yeah. like uh, information overwhelm. It's kind of, it's just like how much, you know, how much connection with my family is healthy and mm. is um, um, supportive. And then when are the times where a little bit of disconnection is also healthy and also supportive because it allows you the time to repair. Mm. And so come together and baking and watching movies and all that sort of stuff, that's great. Like that's yeah. a real beautiful collective effort. That's when it's important to be together. That's when it's important to, to stand as a group. Um, mm. But then you've also got to balance that out with moments where you just have a little bit of time for yourself. Tell us what, you know, what are you looking forward to when we get to be back together and you're going to be at BDF and, you know, what will you be sharing um not in detail because they'll have to come and listen but <laughs> what mm -hmm. sorts of things will you be talking about when we are allowed out of our houses 
I think the, the greatest thing at VDS for me was connecting with people and connecting with stories. Mm. Like it is an incredible community. It's, it's honestly, it's one of my favorite um, dance festivals because just the sense of camaraderie and community and everyone's got the same, you know, similar goals and everyone's got the same passion. Um, and I just, I love that collective energy. It's such a beautiful environment to be in. Mm. And, and I loved hearing people's stories. The, the favorite part for me was sitting at my booth and having people come up, having students come up, having parents come up, having teachers come up mm. and communicating their stories and, and asking for some insight or asking for, you know, um, just for me to kind of meet them where they're at or just to listen. Mm. Um, and I, I loved that experience. The, the conversations was the most beautiful thing for me. And, um, listening to other people, listening to the other speakers, walking away with lots of their insights. Mm. Um, it really is. It's honestly, it, it's, it's, and I, that's why I keep hounding Deb because it's one of my favorite festivals. And I'm, I'm so fortunate yeah. to be asked back again to, to speak and to also, um, you know, be able to interact with that community. Mm. Um, so I'm really, really looking forward to just, um, having, some contact and connection with people and just being at serve to serve as at service as much as I can yeah. um, to, to whatever needs might be um, presented by, you know, the various demographics. Yeah, so true. It's so funny. Can you imagine all the art that's going to come after this when we're allowed to be together again? Like <laughs> I'm just waiting for Pandemic the Musical to come out. <laughs> It'll be, it'll be an explosion. It'll be such a phenomenal explosion. Of All about how we connect again and coming back together yeah. after being apart. It's going to be, I mean, art responds so well after crisis. It does. It's like, I know after yeah. 9-11, a lot of things were birthed. And um, after, um, you know, we've got, you know, Come From Away is an example of one of the mm -hmm. positive stories of a community coming together. And there's so many amazing creations that come out of pain and challenge and difficulty and all of that. And it's really an artist's time, isn't it, to kind of uh, mm. tell their stories. You said you love stories and, you know, part of what we do is tell stories through through our creativity. So I'm looking forward to that, like when this yeah. is over, <laughs> to seeing all of that and the power of that and how we can identify with it. So again, thank you, Will, for so much that we've got to chat to you and, and hear your wisdom. There's so much that you know from your many years in the industry. And I'm just so mm -hmm. honoured to be able to chat to you today and hear all of those hard-learned, hard-studied lessons. <laughs> that you, mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I just wanted to give you one last takeaway. I just yeah. wanted to sort of speak directly to, to the students here mm. and to the teenagers and, and all the, the sort of creative youth. Um, this is a really, really challenging time and this can be really overwhelming and really daunting, but mm -hmm. it's also an opportunity. This is an opportunity for you to discover what life is going to look like after full-time study, mm -hmm. what life is going to look like when you walk away from your, your dance school or, or when you are disconnected to that community that you're so used to being in. If you can create a structure of motivation and discipline and routine, if you can manage that now, then when you finish your studies and you go into the professional world, you will be able to do that seamlessly because you've already had the experience of what it feels like mm -hmm. to have to survive on your own and to be responsible for your own creative development. Mm -hmm. So look at this as, as an opportunity for you to have a bit of a preview of what life 
after study is going to look like and mm. how you're going to manage that. That's great because sometimes it's like, what do I want to come back to? I don't know if I want to come back mm -hmm. to the same things. It is, it's a gift mm -hmm. to be able to say, hey, I, I don't want to come back to all the same things. And, I, and it's an opportunity, mm -hmm. isn't it? It's an opportunity in yeah. all of its challenges to actually say, I want to kind of somewhat redesign some aspects of my life. Yeah. To create what works for you. Yeah, that's good. Good language for us as performers and dancers and teachers and educators. So good. <laughs> Thank you, Will. Thank you so much for having me. Take care.